Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our Connect Pastor Adam Gooch brings us part three of our series, Hashtag Van Life. far i'm gonna try not to mess it up too much because i feel like we could quit right now and we had church in this place today but um, it is truly one of my honors to get to get up here um, and try to communicate god's word to you guys i love getting to do it i love hanging out with you um, and this has been one of my favorite series i've ever been a part of um, because i'm a van guy like we don't own a van but the only reason that is true is because i cannot convince my beautiful wife that we need one um, so i love vans i'm all about the van life. And this entire series has been um, our attempts to take a very, very practical look at your family life, at the life that you live, whether it's your um, relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, maybe it's friendships that you have. God has a life that he promises that you can have, and we just want to help you get there. So we've kind of taken this idea to use the minivan as a metaphor for your life. And so week one, if you were here, Pastor Steve talked about the importance of owning your seat, that there are just some things that God laid out in the way families should be set up, the way they should run, and that you need to know what seat belongs to you so you can own it. So if you didn't get a chance to get that, go check it out. It's on our website. Um, we, last week, week two, we talked about climate control, that um, everything in your family, everything in your life, there are certain things you need to do to control the climate of your marriage, of your relationships. Go check that out. Today, I'm excited because I'm going to talk to you about a part of the van um, that you use every single day, regardless of what vehicle you drive, regardless of what motorized contraption you decide to, to jump on and go throughout your life. You use them every day, but we very rarely see them. We very rarely put our eyes on them, um, and that's the two pedals. How many of you know the pedals are really, really important in the van? Because you got, you got two. You got the accelerator that makes you go faster, right? And then you got the brakes that help you do what? Go slower. They help you stop, hopefully, if you've got good ones. If you don't, you need to get that addressed because that can cause some problems. And ultimately, that's what the idea of today's message is about. We're going to talk about the importance of pumping the brakes, because I think in our world, in our day, we're really, really good at hitting the gas pedal. But I don't think we're very good at pumping the brakes. So today's message is all around this idea of margin in our lives. The first thing I want you to know um, is how many of you know as we talk about these two pedals, as we talk about the accelerator, we talk about the gas, it's really, really important for you to know the difference, right? Faster, slower, make sure you hit the right one because the outcome will be different depending on which one you hit. In fact, I actually looked this statistic up. This is 100% true. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, um, which is probably a really, really exciting place to work, they tell us that pedal error results in more than 16,000 accidents per year in our nation. 16,000 car wrecks happen because someone hit the wrong pedal. That's 44 wrecks per day. 
because somebody hit the wrong pedal and they ended up in the Waffle House, right? Thought, thought they were slowing down and instead they sped up and they ran right through their garage door. Whatever the case may be, they ran right into the back of your vehicle all because they hit the wrong pedal. So like I said, today we're going to talk about the importance of pumping the brakes, the importance of creating that space. And that space is called margin. By definition, if you look at it, margin is the amount available beyond what is actually needed. It's, it's this idea of the extra, right? And you, you see this. Maybe you don't ever really think about it in these terms, but you know what margins are. If you've ever, like, opened a book, you've seen margin, Right? Like all these, all this white space that you see around the pages, do you know what that's called? Margins. It's the margins of the book. And if you've ever taken an English class, you've had that professor that gave you the very strict guidelines that you have to use one-inch margins all the way around, this size font, and you were the person that tried to get away using an inch and a quarter margins because if I, like, open that up a little bit more, my words will go farther, Right? And you tried to turn a two-page paper into a three-page paper by changing the margins. Margins are very important because if I change this and if I took this text and I went all the way to the edges, there's no space. All the way top to bottom, it's nothing but words. How many of you would want to read that book? Some of y'all don't even want to read this book because there ain't no pictures in it. So if I took all the space away and I did nothing but text and that's all you could see, nobody would read it. That's why publishers understand the value of margin. And you get it. You get it when it comes to a book. You get it when it comes to driving down the highway. We're in a series called Van Life, right? Let's say you go to leave our parking lot today and you make it out onto Highway 72. What do you want to pull out into? Well, you're going to run into two options. Which side of the highway would you prefer to find yourself on? Well, that's a no-brainer. We all want to be on this side. Why is that? Because I got room. I got space. I don't have people all around me. I don't like bumper-to-bumper traffic. Does anybody like it? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. No hands go up. Why? Because we like margin. I'll take it one step further. When you leave this parking lot and you pull out into the highway and you pull into this, which is called a lane, do you want there to be just enough space for your car to fit in the lane? Or do you want more than enough space? Do you notice as you look through this picture, do you see the gap between the cars? Do you know why that's there? Well, it's because the lanes are bigger than you need. Like you don't take up the entire lane. And that's what we like. I don't want three inches on each side of my car separating me from your car. I want three feet. I want six feet. As you propel yourself at 70 miles an hour towards me, I want to make sure there's some space in between our vehicles. Because we understand the idea, the value of margin. It's the reason people will pay hundreds of dollars more per ticket for a seat in first class versus a seat in coach. Now, are the seats more comfortable? Yeah. Do they get a little bit better food? Yeah. But do you know the biggest value? They get space. They get to lay back and recline. And my big 6'3 self could actually get my legs extended. Now, if I go and I find a seat in coach, is there enough room for me to sit in the seat? Yeah, like I fit this way, believe it or not, and I do fit this way. Like I've, I've got enough room. I can sit there. My knees almost touch the seat in front of me. Just barely they miss it. But do I want to sit there? No. I want the first class seat. And if I can't afford the first class seat, do you know always the first seats on an airplane that get booked up? The exit rows, 
right? Do you know why? Because people want space. They don't want you on top of them. And nothing will make me madder than when I get into an airplane and I walk up and there's somebody that's 5'3 sitting on the exit row. They had all the space in the world right in the back and I'm the one stuck trying to figure out how do I like not have any room because I don't have any margin. I don't have any space in my life. I think you can look at it this way. Margin is the space between your current location and your limits. Now, I know you don't like to think about it like this, but we are all limited beings. Like humanity, by def- like definition, we're limited. We do not have unlimited power. You do not have unlimited time. You do not have unlimited resources. So you may be the wealthiest person in this room. You may be a billionaire. And if you are, Pastor Stephen, I would love to talk to you after service today. That might be you. You might have millions in the bank, but do you know what? You still got limits. There's still only so many dollars you can spend, and we're mindful of that. That's why you budget, hopefully, because you understand I've got a limit, and I can't, get, I can't go all the way to the limit. We all live within limits, but some of you, maybe you've been called this before. Somebody's looked at you like, man, you just never stop. Like you just keep going and going and going and they've compared you to this little pink bunny. Anybody? Like, man, you're like the Energizer Bunny and what are they saying? They're telling you, you never quit. You've got so much energy. You've got, like, you're always going. But here's the truth. You will stop. There will come a point where you hit your limits, where you can't go anymore. You don't have any more resources. You don't have any more finances. You don't have any more time. You don't have any more energy. You've hit the limit. And that's where margin comes in. You see, margin is that time where when church starts at 1130, you get here at 1115, and that extra 15 minutes is margin. Margin comes in when you get to the end of the month and you look at your checking account and you've still got money there because there was more money at the end of the month than you needed. Whatever that is for you, that's margin. Now, for some of you, I just totally threw it all out the window because you're always late for church and you're overdrawn on your checking account, right? Why? Why? Because you don't have any margin. You're living your life all the way at the limit. Now, why does that matter? What happens if you live your life? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. What happens when you live your life without space? What do you experience? Because that's what this series is about. It's about you living the best life. So is the best life found at your limits? Well, let's look. The first thing I think you'll see, if you live life without space, the first thing that's going to happen to you is stress is going to go up. Your stress levels will increase as your margins decrease. How many of you watched college football yesterday with me? Amen. All right. Think about it this way. Let's say your favorite football team is down by three points. Like you're down a field goal and there's 10 minutes left in the game. Where's your stress level at? Probably not very high, right? Because you got plenty of time. There's still a lot of game left. We're good. We're right in the middle of this. Now, how does your stress level change if you go from being down by three with 10 minutes left to being down by three with two minutes left? Well, now all of a sudden it's a whole lot different. And if you're a football fan like I am, you might be on the edge of your seat. Well, technically, if you're like me, you're probably standing like right in front of the TV because somehow I think if I'm talking to Coach Saban, it somehow helps and I can like, I'm just in it, right? Y'all are welcome because I'm, I help. 
But what happens? My stress goes up. Man, like I, why? Because my, my margin for error, it starts going away. My limit's coming like the clock is going to run out. I don't have a lot of time left. Two minutes isn't all that long in football. So I'm stressing. I'm paying attention. I'm focused. If there's 10 minutes left, I might go get me a snack. There's two minutes left, I ain't leaving, even a commercial break. I'm still standing there right at the TV just waiting to find out what happens because as margin decreases, stress increases. Think about it this way. Think about it in terms of you have to be at work at, say, 9 a.m. You got to be at the office at 9 a.m. and you know you have a meeting with your boss at 9 a.m. It is a very important meeting. This is the meeting that will determine whether you get the raise or whether you lose the job. Very important meeting. Starts at 9. And you know you live 13 minutes away from the office. And so what do you do? For a 9 o'clock meeting, you leave your house at 8.45, right? You know it's going to take you 13 minutes to get there, but that's just enough time to make it. And you know what happens. It happens every single time. You get out onto the highway, try to make it out, especially if you're trying to make it into Florence from killing on a weekday morning. And all of a sudden you get there and you're stuck. All you see is bumper to bumper traffic. What happens to your stress level? Goes through the roof. Why? Because you don't have any margin. Like I need this to be moving because I I don't have any leftover. I don't have any extra. So you start doing that weird dance where you start jumping from lane to lane, thinking one might go faster than the other. If you can't get over, you start doing that weird thing with your neck where you start like craning it, like somehow moving from here to here helps you go around the person in front of you to see what's causing the issue. You start beating your steering wheel. You start yelling obscenities at the people next to you like they're not somehow stuck in the exact same situation that you're stuck in. What happens? Your stress goes up because you didn't give yourself any margin. You see, you were never designed to live at your limits. As margin goes up, margin goes down, stress goes up. The second thing we see is that stress goes up, but also your focus goes inward. You see, the less margin I have, the less ability I have to worry about you. The more margin I have, I'm good. I heard Andy Stanley use this illustration one time. All communicators, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this, but like as we're up here on stage, do you know where we typically preach from? Probably about right in here, right? That means I've got a good eight feet from me and my limit because there's a drop there that's about three and a half feet that honestly I don't really want to go off of. That's my limit. So what do I do? I preach from back here because if I do that, I don't have to expend any emotional or mental energy on focusing on where I'm at. All I can do is spend all my energy making sure I'm communicating with you and that I'm getting the message out that I want to get out to you so that I can do the job that God's given me to do. Now, as my margin decreases, how do you think our messages would change if we preach them from right here? And we're up here walking, trying to tell you all these things about how God wants to do amazing things in your life. Do you know what's going on in my head right now? I'm really, really focused on not falling off the edge of this stage. Because I understand that it would make you laugh and it would really make the point, but I just don't want to do it. Why do I do that? Why don't we preach from up here? Some of it's making the front row nervous right now because their margin just decreased and their stress is going up. Right? 
Why don't we preach here? Well, because I can't focus on you if I'm on my edge, if I'm on my limit. I've got to back up. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, I'm not on a stage. Adam, how does that apply to me? Well, how about Pastor Steve gets up today and he tells you that you've got an opportunity, that you can, you can be generous, that all the hurricanes that have hit, we're going to be a generous church. We're going to give and we're going to be financially generous to help people who are much more in need than we are. And you... You want to be generous because you know that God's called us to be a generous people and you want to be involved in that. But because financially you've set up your life where you have zero margin, where you spend every dime you have and you live paycheck to paycheck, you know what you can't be? Generous. Like financially, I can't worry about you. I'm sorry it all hit the fan in your world. I would love to help, but I can't because my focus is inward when I'm living a life without space. But I'm living a life without margin. It comes and we put out serve opportunities. And we'd love, listen, we're going to do this in our community. We're going to go here. We're going to serve these people. And you'd love to be a part of it. You'd love to be able to do that and show people the love of Christ. But why don't you sign up? Man, I just, I don't have time. I don't have time to serve and, and be a servant like Jesus called us to because, you know, I got this event and that event and I'm running here and I got to do this and I have oriented my calendar in such a way that my margin in relation to my time is gone. I don't have any extra time to give, so therefore, it's all about me, and I can't worry about you. So not only does my stress go up and my focus go inward, the third thing that I'm probably the most afraid of, that as you live a life without space, the third thing that happens is this, your relationships go away. It's true. Do you know where relationships live? In margin. They live in space. That's how they grow. If there's a relationship in your life, whether it's your husband and your wife or maybe just a friend that you have in your life and you want that relationship to grow, do you know what you have to have to make that happen? Extra. You've got to have extra time. If I've got a friend that, man, I would love to spend more time with him, and I'd love to, to grow that relationship and us to get closer, I've got to spend time with him. I've got to have time for us to hang out. But do you know what? If I orient my schedule in a way that I don't have any extra time, that relationship can't grow. It might require some extra money out of you. Hey, we've got this trip coming up. We're going to eat here. We'd love to have you come hang out with us. And on the inside, like you want to be a part because you want to grow in relationships. Man, I can't do it. I, I ain't got nothing left. I spent it all. We make an announcement like, man, listen, connect group signups are going on right now. Like we want you connected in relationship. We want you growing as a people together. And you want to do that. But guess what? What's the excuse that you always have to tell yourself, man, I don't have time. I don't, I don't have any energy left. And that's just, the, that's just the edge of it. Think about it this way. You're that dad, right? Or you come home from work, like you've given it everything that you've got. All your emotional and mental energy has been spent. You gave it in the workday because you... You buy yourself into this idea that, listen, I'm providing for my family. I'm going to do that. I'm going to give them everything I've got so I can provide financially. But then you get home from the office at 6 p.m. You walk in, you eat dinner, and your son comes up to you. He's like, hey, Dad, can you go outside and let's throw the football or let's do this? And I'm like, man, son, I'm really tired. Like, I, Dad's just going to sit down for a little while. 
What did you do? You didn't have any space to grow in the relationship with your child because you were living a life without margin. You want to grow. You want to experience a better marriage. You want to experience a better relationship with your spouse. But I wrote this in the notes. Did you know that busyness is the enemy of intimacy? Do you want to know why you're not experiencing the marriage that you've always wanted to experience? Well, it's because you're both running and going and you're all these different directions and you might see each other when you kiss him or her before you lay your head on the pillow at night. You wonder why your sexual relationship isn't where it is, but you hadn't even barely talked to them all week because you've been running and going. You're stressed out over this. You're worried about this. And then you wonder why you can't connect intimately. Well, it's because you're busy and you've left zero room for space in your life. And that's where relationships grow. That's where the life you want lives. So if you don't hear anything else I say all day, I want you to pay attention to this because this is true. The pace of your life determines the peace in your life. You see, margin is peace. It's that time where I don't have to worry. If that unexpected bill shows up in the mail, my stress level doesn't fly through the roof because I've allowed myself to live in a place where I can handle it. It's okay, we got that. I don't have to get stressed. It doesn't have to rob me of my joy. I'm living a life of margin. I'm running a pace that's safe for me. All the while, our culture, the world in which we live, keeps telling us, you got to go faster. You got to work harder. You got to do more. You got to push it all the way to your limits. And the life that God has promised you that you could have is all the while screaming, stop, slow down, live with margin. So if we know all that, like if we know this to be true, yes, the pace of my life determines the peace in my life, then why don't we stop? That's the question. Like why don't we hit the brakes? Why don't we live in a smaller house with a smaller mortgage? Why don't we drive a little bit older vehicle? Why don't we buy a few less things so that we can have more financial margins so we aren't stressed to the max every single month? Why don't we live there? Why don't we take things off of our calendar? Why don't we say no when somebody invites us to do something? Or, hey, would you like to to work overtime tonight? No, you know what? I'm going to go spend time with my family. Why don't we pump the brakes? Ultimately, I think it's one word that answers that entire question. It's this. It's fear. I think we're afraid. Fear costs us. I think we're afraid of missing out. Well, listen, like I, there's this life out there that I'm chasing and there's, there's all these good things that I can do and I, I want to go to this lunch and I want to be involved in this and I want to do that and I want to do this. And so then you all of a sudden look at your daily planner and there's something on every single day and multiple events on some days and your seven-year-old has to have their own planner so they can figure out what time they have to be at what practice in what place. And you and your spouse have to freak out to figure out how do we split up to make sure that he gets there and she gets there and ultimately we can all get back and, well, I'm going to stop here and get food from here. If you'll just run through there and grab that and we'll scarf it down in the back seat as we're trying to make it here. Why do we run ourselves ragged? Well, it's because we're afraid. Afraid we're going to miss out. We're afraid we're going to miss out on that life that 
we all want, that God told us we could have. But you see, the life that you want, it's not actually a life of more. It's a life of margin. You see, if we're honest, and we could just sit down one-on-one and have a conversation, I think we would see that most of us in this room probably make more money now than we've ever made before. Like across the board, typically, you make more money as you get older, right? You get promotions, you've been at the, like, the company longer. You're probably making more money now than you've ever made before, but the question is, are you any less worried about your finances now than you've ever been before? Or is your stress still high? I think most of us have more opportunities to do great things now than we ever have before but yet our calendars and our schedules are set up in a way that it will not allow us to be involved because we're afraid we're going to miss out. And we're so focused on the more that we're sacrificing our margin. And by doing so, what you're doing is sacrificing your peace. And I promise you it's not worth it. We're afraid we're going to miss out. We're afraid that we're going to mess up. We look at our kids and, well, listen, all of... All of his friends are involved in this sport and that sport, and I got soccer, and I got dance, and I got this recital, and that club, and this awards thing, and they got to make sure they make it to this practice, and all this birthday party, and that event, and if I say no, if I limit their activity so that we can create space in our life, well, what if I mess up their social life? What if I mess up where they'll become as a human being? Like, I don't want to screw up my kid. And fear drives our decisions, and it forces us to hit the gas when we should be hitting the brake. Always running for more because fear is pushing us. And you know, always doing more, it's not a strategy for success. In fact, it is a recipe for disaster. And God knew this from the foundation of time because, you see, humanity has been running in the red. We've been pushing our limits for hundreds of years. There's this story early on in the book of Genesis where God chose this nation of people. He chose the nation of Israel to be his because he wanted to be in relationship. He created this covenant that he wanted to grow in them. And at one point, there's this story where The nation of Israel has been taken into captivity by Egypt and by Pharaoh. And you've probably heard some of the story at one point. God sends this guy named Moses into Egypt to free his people. And long, long story short, ultimately Moses leads God's people out of Egypt and he's taking them to the promised land, which is this picture of the perfect life that God has for them. But on the way, what God understands is that they've learned to live life according to the life that they've lived in slavery. All they knew was they had to work 24, 7, 365. They could never let up. If they wanted to eat, they had to push the envelope. They had slave masters with whips pushing them to do more and more. And if they didn't, they would die. That's all they knew. As the nation of Israel as part of the Exodus left Egypt, there was not a single Israelite alive that knew what it was like to be free because they'd been slaves for 400 years. And so God gets them out, and he understands, I've got to teach them a new way to do life. And so he starts giving them these laws, these commands of what what they're supposed to do to live his life, 
to get the life they want. And so the, the top 10, right, or what we know today is the 10 commandments. And God starts going through because this Egyptian mindset has made its way into their world. And so he tells them right out the gate, listen, I am God. Like, I'm the only one. Don't worship anybody but me. Second one, he tells them, I know you're coming from a culture and a history that, like, they make idols and they worship these idols that they see. So he told his people, don't make any idols. You don't worship idols. I am sufficient for you. I'm the only God that you need. And oh, number three, by the way, don't use my name in vain. Like, don't take me for granted. Make sure you watch how you use my name. And do you know what he said when he got to number four? Way before he ever got to that part about don't kill anybody, don't steal things that aren't yours, and don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Do you know what he told them before he got there in what we know as the fourth commandment? It's this. It's found in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 8. He said, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. He said, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. You see, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. And just in case they had any questions about who no one was, he took it a step further and kind of elaborated for them. He said, listen, this includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. He said, for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, as God told them this command, the fourth one in the list of how they're supposed to live their lives to get the best life that he has for them, this was revolutionary in their brains. Like this is a new idea, like I don't understand. What do you mean I'm not supposed to do any work? Because what this meant was at the end of Friday night, it didn't matter how much work was undone, it didn't matter how much was left to be done, they had to stop everything for 24 hours. No more work. And this was a punishable offense. No work. The fourth commandment is this, thou shalt create space in your schedule. Like, what? He kind of carried this on as we make it into the book of Leviticus In chapter 23, he sort of reiterated this idea just in case they tried to forget. He said, listen, there's six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. And then he kind of takes it one step further because it wasn't just enough to take one day and rest because just in that ideal, okay, that means the other six days I got to give it all I got. I got to burn the candle at both ends. I got to run all the way in the red, put the pedal to the metal. And he said, no, 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 that's, you're missing the point. And so he told him this in verse 22. He said, listen, when you reap the harvest of your land, when they're bringing in their crops, he said, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord, your God. You see, it wasn't enough just for them to to take one day and rest and, and kill it the other six days. He told them, oh yeah, by the way, as you're bringing in your harvest, as you're bringing in your crops, you can't harvest all the way to the edges. Remember that book 
that I showed you on the front end, those margins, you got to leave that. Don't touch it. I mean, I know there's fruit there. I know there are crops there that could be brought in, but I'm telling you right now, don't touch it because those aren't yours. And then he talks about the gleanings. What are the gleanings? If you look up the word gleanings, gleaning is the act of collecting the crops after the field has been harvested. You see, as they would go through, as they're picking the crops and they're bringing it in, there would be certain things that were missed. There would be some that would like fall on the ground. Now in our world, right, like you got to get it all. You got to squeeze every ounce out of your work day. You got to make sure you bring it all in because what they're doing is like that's, that's money on the table, right? Like they're leaving stuff behind. Isn't that being a bad steward? Like, God, you gave me that harvest. I can't. I got to make sure I get it all, God. Listen, isn't that being lazy? Like, God, you didn't call us to be lazy. Like, you called us to honor you in everything we do and work in everything as it belongs to you. God, what do you mean? Like, create margin, create space. They had to wrap their minds around what this was. And ultimately, what God was telling them was this. You see, this idea of the law of the Sabbath, the law of the gleaning, it was that, yes, I know what you can do. I know how far you can go in terms of your limits. I know there's stuff out there, but the idea of the Sabbath is an issue of faith. It's this understanding that, God, I know I can work harder. I can do more. I can put the pedal to the metal and give it every ounce of energy I have. But when I do that, that means I'm relying on my strength and my energy and what I can do. And we try to justify it, right? God, I'm, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm not going to leave anything in the tank. I'm going all in. That's what I'm supposed to do, Right? And all the while, God's saying, no, you're missing the point. See, the whole point of the Sabbath, of margin, of that space of rest, is God telling you, I know what you're capable of, but I don't want you to live there. Yes, you can reap all the way to the edges and you can take those crops, but when you don't and you create that space, what you do is you create an area in your life where you have to trust me to come in and fill in the gaps. See, I want you to trust me. I don't want you to trust your own work ethic and your own will to get it done and how much you can get done in a week and how full you can pack your calendars. See, he knows your limits. He put them there. But the idea isn't that you give it everything you've got. Because God commands us, leave some space. Because it's in that space that the life you want lives. You've got space to be generous. You've got the space to be a servant, to give of yourself so that other people can experience the life that you want. You're not running late. You're not going all out. If you need to stop and help somebody, I can do that. Because I got margin in my life, I've made room in my life for other people. God doesn't want you to live a life of stress and worry because you don't have anywhere else to go. He said, listen, pump the brakes. Slack up. 
Culture is the one telling you to hit the accelerator. I'm the one telling you hit the brakes. Slow down. And watch what I do when you create the space. Now the pushback to this entire message is Adam, listen, I want margin. Like I want to experience that, like I, but I, I don't have it. I don't have it to give. I don't have any extra time. I don't have any extra energy or money. Like I'm having to work. I'm having to do all this stuff. And one of the tragedies that we find doing what we do for a living is that when you sit down and you're talking to a husband whose marriage has made its way all the way to that limit, where divorce is on the brink, it's amazing how quickly he can find time and energy and resources to pour into that marriage because it's hit the wall. It's hit the limit. When all the while, if he had, if he had used that space earlier on, he wouldn't have to be worried about saving his marriage because his marriage would have been growing in the space. The mom who comes in because her, her child is dealing with depression and addiction and all these things and it's because I was running here and I was doing that and it's amazing how quickly they can find the time and the energy and the resources for rehab and for counseling appointments and all these things because all of a sudden all this other good stuff that we're chasing hoping it's going to give us the life of more that we want all of a sudden doesn't matter as much that person that's laying in the hospital bed after the doctor's given them the report it's amazing how quickly they can find the time to spend with God when everything else around them starts fading away and the only thing that matters is left you see we're all limited beings you are going to slow down and you are going to stop at some point the question is is it going to be because you pump the brakes or because you hit the wall this whole series the idea behind it is that we don't want you to hit the wall I don't want you to go past your limits and lose everything I want you to live the life that God promised you that you could have a life of freedom and generosity and servanthood the only way you get to do that is if you create space and you live in margin. Would you pray with me? God, this is such a difficult message to preach, Father, because I truly feel like I am very, very bad at doing this myself, Father. But ultimately, we just pray right now, as bad as we all may be, God, that you would increase our faith that in those gaps in our life, God, that we can trust you to do what only you can do, that you can fill it in. God, when we feel like we have to give more, that we have to do more, God, that instead we could just trust you to do what you can do and that we could accept, God, what you've already done. That it ultimately is not all on us, but that we can give our entire lives to you. Give us the courage to say no. Give us the grace to create space. And ultimately, Father, allow us to live the life that you promised us we could have as we give it all to you in your power, in your sufficiency, and in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys.